guys, welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Episode 40 of the podcast, we'll be talking to former Wallabies, fly half, and inside centre, Matt Tamua. Matt's currently playing over in the UK for the Leicester Tigers. He spent nine years with the Brumbies here in the Super Rugby competition, was also capped 33 times by the Wallabies. He's a great, great, he's got great utility value in terms of being able to play both number 10 and number 12 so well. So I'm really excited to get him on. He actually shares, he's one of the most talented couples, sporting couples in the world, when you think that his wife, Elise Perry, is one of our leading cricketers and also soccer players here in Australia. So it's going to be great to kind of get different perspectives from him. He's very, very switched on off the field as well. Does a business degree that he's finishing at the moment. Also owns several cafes, so he's got that entrepreneurial side, which I'm really looking forward to chatting to him about. Before we got Matt on the show, just a big shout out to everyone tuning in. I really appreciate all the different messages of support, either online or through social media, or even leaving you just reviews on iTunes. It really helps me just grow. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show. It's free. And then also, please leave me a five-star review. It's pretty easy to do. All you've got to do is hit search on either your podcast or your iTunes app and just search Talking With TK. And there is a review section that you can easily just leave a quick comment and a five-star review, and that helps me heaps. If you want to connect with me, please send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Facebook, Tristan Cannell, which is spelled K-apostrophe-N-E-L-L. You can also find me on Facebook at TalkingWithTK. Instagram, I'm at Tristan Nell, or please tweet to me at Twitter at TalkingWithTK. Guys, let's get straight to it. I introduce Matt Tamua. All right, guys, my special guest is Matt Tamua. Matt is currently a fly half or inside centre for the Leicester Tigers in the UK. His extensive career includes 88 matches for the ACT Brumbies in the Super Rugby competition, while he was also capped 33 times for the Australian Wallabies. I welcome Matt Tamua. Matt, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, mate. Thank you. Matt, it's awesome to get you on. I know a lot of people will be wanting to get your perspective. Obviously, the Wallabies had an absolutely awesome win over the weekend, mate. Did you get a chance to have a look at it? Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was streaming it over here. Um, always exciting. Especially a uh, pretty special night, I think, with the jersey and with a few guys uh, finishing up at the Wallabies there, guys that I know quite well as well. So, uh, yeah, it was really good. We got a few Kiwis in, our, um, in the Leicester team as well, so it's nice coming in and uh, actually having one, on, one up on them uh, for once this year. Yeah, mate, you were you know you were involved in the test team for quite a long time. Is it frustrating, especially when you get an All Blacks team? It's pretty much the greatest team of all time when you were involved in the setup. When you keep losing games, how frustrating is it? And then, how, what's the learning process like from all that? Yeah, it's it's a double edged sword in a way because you, you you want to test yourself against the best team, but um, mm. I think we've we've been going through a little bit of rotation and. And, and stuff like that, and it's those things kind of get uh, magnified when you play the best team in the world, you know, more than any other team every year. So um, it is tough, but I think that's the way you want it. Um, Australian sport in general, you know, wants to be the best at anything. You, you look at Aussies. We, if the cricket team are losing a game, we're asking questions, and the same yeah. with the rugby. So um, yeah, it is frustrating, but as I said, I, I think it is the best way for development. Um, but sometimes you just got to keep. Um, Keep a bit of perspective as well, which is good when uh, when the guys get to 
come up here and, and um, play against, you know, the English teams or stuff like that, you get a little bit more idea of actually how you are tracking. Yeah, Matt, is one breakthrough win enough for them to get confidence? So the next time we play them next year, we're kind of, we're in a different mindset. Would that kind of be how we're kind of approaching it next time? Yeah, it's like it'd be more of a um, breaking through a mental barrier. I know when we, like I, I managed uh, to beat them once as well when I was part of the setup, which was quite nice. And yeah. it definitely does um, I just give you a little bit of belief more than anything. Um, you know, the, you go through ups and downs throughout the game, um, swings and momentum, and just hanging in there a lot of times is pretty important. So uh, I think next time we play them, um, Knowing that the team has the ability to do that, despite how many times we lost to them throughout the year, um, probably will give guys a little bit of confidence. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your move to Leicester last year because you know all through your career, you know you grew up in Brisbane and then you switched even over to the ACT Brumbies, and then now you're testing yourself overseas, millions of like thousands of miles away from home. Now, what's the thought process like for you moving overseas? There's a few things. Um, I think. Your career is is obviously very short, particularly in rugby. Um, yeah. You don't get much opportunity. I think for me, a lot of that was about um, just trying a new environment, testing yourself in a new environment. I'd been at the Rumbies for about nine years, um, and it was just the end of that World Cup kind of cycle, and I was pretty keen to get over and, ju- and just do something else, whether it be in France or whether it be here in England. Um, yeah. There's also the financial side. The financial side, it's um, you get paid a lot better up here as well. And um, as I said, your career is only short, so you want to kind of start taking um, advantage of that and setting yourself up post-career as well. So there's quite a few things, um, but definitely just the, the change of environment as well. I think it, it gives you a bit of a kick and step and, and motivates you a little bit as well, or, or me anyway. Um, yeah, just trying something else. Yeah, Matt, when you chose Leicester specifically, because I know a lot of Aussies and Kiwis, they're going over to the French competition. Some of them, like yourself, go over to the English competition. Did you have something specific in mind when you actually chose Leicester? A um, little bit. It was, it was um, so my, my wife, she plays cricket. Um, so her, her move as well over here, she'll come over here probably, you know, a third of the year at times and play for a local team and, uh, French cricket's not really a style, so uh, going to a place like that might not be beneficial for a game. But that, that was probably one of the bigger reasons in terms of coming to England. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Lise will come over probably for about a third of the year um, and we'll play for a local team. So, um, as I said, going to France, it's not really conducive to uh, cricket and or her getting uh, improving on her cricket. So. Um, and also just the change in, in French lifestyle, it, it is pretty significant I think if unless you have that kind of support network with your family and and a few friends like that it can be quite tough for guys going over I guess on their own um so yeah um yeah England England's been good it's been different but not not too different in the sense that you uh can't wait to get home yeah what are the boys like over there is the culture very very similar to how the Brumbies was um it's it's more similar than it is different I think you, you you often look for the things that are different, but um, to be fair, most of it's like it is very similar. Leicester, Leicester is um, give, give it a bit of perspective. It's it's in the Midlands of England. It's kind of like a, a rough, rougher kind of town, yeah. um, and you know there is that kind of stiff upper lip about the English. They just get on with their work and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty good though. I enjoy it. The uh, the banter is very good. The fellas love it. Um, there's a bit of old school about the clubs over here because. Um, 
list has been around since uh, 1880. So you've got they uh, they have guys on the wall who have um, you know served in the world war who served in the world wars and stuff like that. So um, being a part of that's pretty cool. Yeah, mate. You just mentioned Elise and. Two Sundays ago, I had this Sunday paper, and in the middle of the magazine, she was actually on the front of it. And in the middle, there was a story about how you guys met. You met in the Qantas, the Qantas lounge. Is that true? Yeah. And what was the first yeah. thing that you said to her, mate? Uh, no, we were in. Um, I think she was off to a game in Melbourne. We were off to Darwin uh, with the Brumbies, and um, basically saw her there. I didn't really know much about. Her. I just knew she played. Um, football for the local Canberra team so yeah um and the manager was there and basically just asked for a photo and then um yeah just got talking then and um she came down to Canberra again another time and just uh went and grabbed a coffee and um as they say the rest is history so uh yeah it was pretty nice yeah does it make it easier the fact that you're both professional athletes that you both know the demands that you've got from your sport to make it easier for you both to kind of accept what you're both doing right now yeah definitely um Sport can take up a lot of your time, and also there's a lot of non-negotiables with sport. Like you can't just go, oh, "I'll have a sick day on Thursday." It's yeah. kind of like, no, you got to be here. You have to be here. Like kind of end of. Um, so that, that that makes it easier. I know um, it can be hard, quite hard on the the other partners, whether it's the the male or female. Um, when you're called away to go on tour, or whether you you know you've got a meeting that's as I said, it's non-negotiable. You've just got to be there. So. That helps. Um, obviously, like any other, like any other couple, I'm, I'm sure I have an understanding of what they do and how they do it. Um, um, allows you to understand a lot more. Yeah, Matt, I really want to talk to you about your time management because I know you're studying your MBA at uni. You've got the yeah. demands of sports, a relationship, your other family and friends. How does that all kind of come together, man? Yeah, um, I guess not having kids is probably a good start um, at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it helps. Uh, look, at, uh, I think I'm quite clear in what I want out of things. Um, I'm pretty clear in, in um, my sport in terms of you know how, how long I probably have left, um, and then and, and what I want to do with that post sport. I think they kind of go hand in hand as well. So I'm doing my study at the moment. Um, Whilst it can be tedious and hard to kind of sit down and put your head in a book after you've been running around all day and you're pretty exhausted, it, I think knowing why you're doing it um, and what it's going to lead to post-careers is pretty important. Um, and it probably helps, to be fair, I think. It helps my, my rugby having that, you know, testing yourself mentally, testing yourself uh, with that kind of thing. Um, and you develop ways in terms of actually doing it, in terms of setting a time, when when to sit down, when to, when to get it cracked on with it, and then other times when... Uh, it's time to relax. You actually make the most of it, as opposed to you know. Sometimes you can just find yourself sitting on your phone for an hour or two, and then uh, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it kind of catches up to you. Yeah, where did that idea first eventuate from? Was that like with a conversation with a mentor? Because that's something I'm seeing a lot more now. The fact that you guys that are still playing sport, you're only in your what are you 27 now, aren't you, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. So you're actually taking some positive steps. So then when you do retire, you've got a lot more behind you than say players of yesteryears from 15 to 20 years ago yeah i think rugby um particularly in australia rugby is probably ahead of the curve and this stuff i think when as soon as you get out um so i went straight from school to super rugby yeah uh, full time and and you're kind of encouraged straight away to be doing something um whether it's a, a trade or um university or something like that and so i started uh doing a degree back in 2008 
okay. um, in psychology and all that. Um, I never finished it. Um, it was quite often just you just kind of question about what are you thinking, what are you thinking, and those conversations probably um, spur you along. Um, so then I just I got interested in things like coffee. Yeah. Um, You're I a barista too, right? I, yeah, I did a few barista courses and. Then I started wondering how, how, how does this work? You'd, yeah. I'd work at a cafe on my day off and I'd be like, how, how does this work? How do you make it profitable, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of, it kind of just evolved out of, a, out of an interest, um, to be honest with you. And I think that was quite important. I think early days when you're younger, you just feel you have to do it because you don't want the careers lady to be cross at you. Um, and then you realize it's probably good to find something that you're interested in because um, you hear stories of a lot of fellas who, who end up done and then and not sure what they're going to do and yep. you don't really want to be like that. Have you got any kind of inspirations that you take from big, you know, maybe some millionaires or any guys that are doing some good online things like Gary Vee or something like that? Do you follow any of those guys? I, I was just on your website and I saw, I heard Gary Vee actually. I love Gary Vee. Uh, I think he's awesome. Yeah, nice. I'll send you the interview that I did with him. It's uh, It was quite cool. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, I, uh, I, I actually... Um, Around when I decided to do my um, start my MBA, um, I was I was listening to a lot of his things, and yeah. it's similar as well. Anything just gets you questioning. Um, I read. I, I used to read a lot of autobiographies, things like that, and um, I just business kind of was a, a thing that kind of stuck with me. Um, for what reason? I'm not. I'm not sure. I think um, the fact that it's quite dynamic. Um, you know, it, there's moving parts all the time, and and I quite enjoy that. Um, and yeah, just probably a lot of other players as well. You see a lot of other guys doing certain things. Some guys become DJs. Some guys are interested yeah. in business as well. Um, yeah, and that quite that quite uh, that interests you, um, I think. But the biggest thing is just at the end of the day, it's your life, and you don't really want to um, you want to make the most of it. Where, as I said, quite lucky in Australia, where uh, education is funded um, yeah. by the as union, um, provided you, you you pass all your courses and. I think when you I see like, like my sister and my brother and like that who have got big debts from studying, um, yeah. you, you realize, listen, if you don't do it, um, yeah, you'll pay for it a bit later. Yeah. How are you actually finding the MBA? Good. Um, it's it's good. I think, uh, as I said, I, I did a psychology degree um, or started it and finished a um, fair bit of it, but not all of it, um, a while ago. Um, and it was it was quite uh, a bit too theoretical for me. I think business is yeah. quite good because it's quite practical. Um, and there just seems to be a quite a like a, a decent relationship between business and athletes. I think the fact that it is quite um, practical, and um, so I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm, I've probably got about a quarter of the way left, so yeah, it'll be nice once I get that um, shiny piece of paper. Uh, yeah. It'll be good. It's actually interesting. I wanted to just get your opinion because I remember when I did my MBA, I started when I was about your age, so I was about 27. So I'm 35 now. I finished my MBA about three years ago. But when I did my MBA, I took it a lot more seriously than when I did my undergraduate. Like when I was at my undergraduate, I was literally there to party and play a bit of footy and just just get a pass. Well, the second time I went around, I actually took it seriously and I actually got a distinction average because I actually implied myself and I actually feel that the second degree I actually apply now in my job compared to the first degree when I couldn't tell you anything that actually happened to it. What was your experience between the two? Yeah, I, I actually completely agree with that. I um, I think also me moving over here, um, my life is quite, 
like my intentions are quite obvious in the sense that it's like, you know, rugby, study, and, and you know, my family are all over on the other side, you know, yeah. in, in, in Australia. So if I'm going to be here, I want to be here for a reason. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely, everything I do, I kind of apply to what I'm thinking, um, you know, post-sport. Um, I've got some I, um, part of a group who own a few cafes and things like that, and, so a lot of the a lot of the assignments will try and apply to say a hospitality um, viewpoint or even sport um, like a high performance manager type thing and and I think that is that helps as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the same as well. I, I, my family marks are probably better in the um, post grad than the undergrad, which is ironic. But I think it just shows it's it's your intentions and your your interest in it. If you if you like it. Um, then you'll actually put a bit more effort in it. Um, I don't think it's a case of, oh, it's, it's harder. Um, it's just, yeah. Um, so I've, I've found the exact same thing, to be honest. Yeah. Matt, you mentioned your cafes before. How many do you actually have? Uh, we've got three cafes and a roastery uh, in Canberra. So, yeah, with the, there's um, about three, three other fellas um, as well. So just um, small kind of uh, stake in it. But, um yeah, it's been it's been cool. It's a I, a lot of people I speak to about business guys who have lead, you know done been there done that. I've always said get your hands dirty with it. Don't don't you know don't get like obviously do do a bit of study and that, but actually get in there, get involved because that that's where it uh, that's where it counts. Yeah, nice one. So in terms of do you have a vision? Is is like investing also? Do you invest in shares? Do you have a portfolio anywhere else, or is it just predominantly just in your cafes? Um, so we got um, a financial manager who has who who, who runs. Um, so obviously Elise and I, um, who, who has a, a few funds that we're in as well. Um, you know, obviously the, the the benefits of diversifying the portfolio um, from uh, cafes and, and property to yep. shares and that as well. So yeah, we're, we're we're we've been taken care of quite well with that, um, which is good. So. As you know, with a lot of the shares and stuff like that, it's kind of you, you go into a fund that you kind of, in, in essence, trust them um, because I don't really know <laughs> if he's going to have a good quarter or not. Um, but yeah, so yeah, got a few things there which um, hopefully pay dividends literally uh, later in life. Yeah, nice one. So the contract mm. now with Leicester, how long is your contract for there, Matt? Um, so I've just started a new three-year deal um, with the third year being an option. So about 2019, I'll have, I have an uh, option to either stay on for one more year or I'll, uh, I'll, I can come home or, or whatever, um, go to another club or something like that. Yeah, will you be available for the World Cup or does that contract kind of extend past the World Cup? Um, it, goes to, it goes to about the middle of 2019 and later in the year is the World Cup. Um, so as I said, that option will... Um, I left that open for obvious reasons, um, but you know, me playing in the World Cup is on the um, assumption that I'm playing good enough for a start. But also, yep. um, yeah, they've got a they're doing good things at the moment as well. Having a guy come in last minute um, is probably you know not ideal. So um, yeah, I'm quite realistic about that as well. Um, I'm enjoying it here. If, if that happens, that happens. Um, if they need someone. And I'm available. Then obviously you'd like to, but um, no, I'm more than enjoying my time over here, to be honest. Yeah, Matt. When you saw Christian Leofano come back this year, was it an emotional time? Because you guys are always mates. You played together for so long. What was the emotions yeah. going for you guys? Yeah, that was um, that was pretty. 
I, the, the comeback was obviously amazing. Um, he he is he, he often hears about people who get sick or pass away. That they're, they're the most you know charismatic or nicest person ever. But you know, Christian really is just one of those guys who who when it happened to him, you in a way you just know his disposition about things that you know he's going to get through it. Um, he he would often ask. So I did my knee at a similar time that he had his. Um, that he got uh, diagnosed with leukemia, and he, he's asking me, how am I doing, how am I doing? And it was like, like, man, I just saw a knee, I'm not, I'm not having chemotherapy. Like, um, So, yeah, we kind of, you know, in a way you feel like you go through it together with him, obviously not to the extent that he does, but um, when he did come back and play um, for the Brumbies and then he also played a club game to play with his brother, yeah. um, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it is, it, it's pretty special. It's pretty um, special. Get a little bit emotional about it when you see him, especially from this side of the world. You kind of want to be there um, in Australia, but yeah, it was it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, when he takes that perspective that he's more worried about you than worried about himself, and he's the one with a life-threatening disease. That's kind mm-hmm. of those leadership qualities that he must have been showing, you know, for years and years, right? Yeah, um, Christian's a brilliant leader. Um, I remember years ago, one of our captain at the Brumbies, Ben Moen, he he said that quite early. He'd kind of been through a lot, Christian. He, he was, um, you know, he was a like a boy wonder, really good, you know, talent when he's younger. Had a few things, um, issues off the field with family and all that, and then got injured, came back, all these kind of ups and downs. And if anything, they just kind of steeled him, um, built some resilience, built some perspective on what's important with teams. And yeah. and yeah, his the fact that he isn't, he's not a selfish player. He's a he's he's always concerned about others and and the team and the bigger picture. Um, and you know, I think you can train those things, but at the same time, I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of that was innate. A lot of that was just who he was as a person, and um, you find that you know he's got a lot of empathy, um, which is I think is very important for fellas in uh, leadership position. Yeah, Matt, does leadership or captaining, even leadership outside of the footy, does that interest you a fair bit? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, I think obviously with my interest in business, um, you, you kind of you kind of, uh, you know, that comes naturally with the sense that, you you know, you learn how to motivate teams and all that, or yeah. try to. Uh, I'm often in leadership groups in uh, in sport, but um, haven't really had a formal, like, captaincy role or something like that, um, which I, I don't know if, I'm not really sure if that's me. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I like doing things almost under the, under the radar a little bit and, um, you know, I think it's often, I think often you get, when I was younger, you probably want to be captain because you see it as a, uh, you see it as, as an achievement in a way. Um, yeah. however, I think the more you grow up, you realize it's, it's about, is it the best thing for the team? What can you offer the team and what, you know, can you make the team better, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, uh, it's not something that really, I, that, that is a goal of mine. Um, but you know, you never know. Guys, we hope you're enjoying the chat with Matt. We'll get back to it shortly. If you haven't yet, go back and check out the back catalogues of Talking With TK episodes. Recent guests on the show have included big wave surfer Mark Matthews, a couple of former NRL players in Joe Williams and Sione Falmawina, Joel Thompson from the St. George Dragons, and a couple of legends in the likes of Wayne Gardner and probably one of the greatest Australian cricketers of all time in Steve Waugh. So please go back. If you haven't yet, please subscribe for free to the show via iTunes. If you haven't got an Apple 
please jump on the website www.talkingwithtk.com if you've got any guest suggestions or anything like that please also send that through at tristan at talkingwithtk.com but let's get back to our chat with matt yeah matt and so i've been asking a lot of different um sports people their definition of success towards the end of the career now yeah. compared to when you first came in as an 18, 19-year-old. What's yeah. the difference between what you believe now and what, when you were only 18 when you debuted? Yeah, huge. Um, when you're 18, you want to be the best player in the world. You want It's quite, um, quite outcome-based. Um, you... The people you look up to when you're 18, me, guys like Johnny Wilkinson, Dan Carter, and essentially it's quite um, it's quite obvious you want to be that bloke, really. Um, but then as you go on, um, either reality hits you or you just kind of get, you know, you, you get a better understanding of of things. Um, things like a big one for me is probably being injuries um, and, and, and the toll that has on you. Um, and also just realising, um, just navigating the whole thing. I think uh, for me, like, well, you instead of comparing yourself to others, you want to, I guess, maximize your potential, maximize your time in a pretty special environment. Um, as well, you want to you start thinking about family, you start thinking about uh, post career. A big thing that motivates me now is, is setting myself up, um, you know, for my, me and my family when I'm when I am done. Uh, yeah. But also having that, um, I think when you're younger as well, you, you want to, you, your path's quite set. You want to play for your super rugby team. You want to start for them and then you want to play for your national team. And then it is that, that kind of um, ladder is, is quite obvious. Um, once, without sounding like, you know, I've, I've done it, once you've, once you've played for Australia, you start really, um, you know, looking back on your motivations and, and why, why do you want to keep doing this? Why do you want to, and or what's that next bit to achieve because it does become a little bit less obvious. Um, and some guys, it's getting a number of caps. Yep. I think for me, it's about um, experience. Um, it's about coming you know, over to another part of the world and experiencing a new culture or finding new friends or creating business contacts or something along those lines. Matt, in terms of all the different experiences, yeah, you know, you've been to a World Cup, you've travelled overseas to play for the Wallabies, back home you played in Bledisloe Cups. For you... What's your proudest moment out of all of those? Um, there's a few. I think um, there's a, like obviously playing in a World Cup was huge. Um, I think you realise that sometimes it's the smaller thing. Not well, not of the you know the, the smaller things that uh, resonate for me. A big one for me was um, Julian Huxley in 2010 or 11. He um, he returned from uh, having a brain tumor, so yeah, I remember. He played, yeah. yeah, he got hit in the head, and then you know, three four years later, he came back and uh, he returned. And I was a part of that game uh, where he ran on and and just seeing there's there's little things like that that probably um, stick out in my mind. Um, certain games winning in big areas, you know, is, is always special as well. Um, so there, there's quite a few, um, and and I'm pretty much, I guess you you realise how special rugby is in a way because it, it gives a guy like me um, opportunities to travel or, or do things that really I shouldn't have been able to do. We um, say to a few fellas, you know, rugby, at the end of the day, we're all just overweight kids at school who can play football. <laughs> um, now we're, now we're travelling the world or doing certain things that's um, that's pretty special. But 
yeah, there's plenty along that. I think the World Cup's obviously pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, like as I said, within little games, um, seeing a guy like Christian overcome what he has, um, being a part of those kind of things is probably um, a bit more special than the, the the more obvious accolades, I guess. Yeah, nice. One thing I need to ask you is, I love watching you play because of your aggressive style. You put a little bit of a hit on when it just the, the timing is just always perfect when you do it. Was that something that you brought from when you were a kid, or was that something you developed more into the pros? Um, a little bit of both. I'm probably lucky. My dad's Samoan, so you kind of have a little bit of that uh, that in you. I think uh, when I was younger, um, I got challenged a fair bit actually by one of our coaches then who who in a polite way was, you know, said I was soft in a way and, and needed to kind of, you know, toughen up and that. And so um, you definitely put a bit of focus there, like any kind of skill, um, you know, you train it, you get better at it. And I think a lot of that stuff is mentality. So um, that helped. I still remember a few, you know, kind of harsh conversations you have with coaches who, who tell you uh, the thing you need to hear, um, even though it is a bit hard. So, um yeah, it's a little bit of both. As I said, I'm pretty lucky that um, I've got that Samoan aggressive gene in me. But however, you do you do train it up, and um, pretty fortunate we have coaches who who uh, say the hard, you know, the the right and the uh, and the hard words here when you need it. Yeah, when you were growing up, your main competitors were what Kurtley Bill from New South Wales, and then within your own team, you had Quaid, right? Yeah, um, so Quaid and Kelly were probably the year before. However, we still competed a fair bit um, in school. That is, um, and then coming down to the Brumbies, it was it was actually Christian. We were we were probably um, he was probably one of my best mates in the squad as well. However, um, that kind of weird thing of you know you you want them to do well but not do well because you want to be ahead of them. It is uh, it is a bit bizarre. Yeah, did you have a preference between obviously your majority was number 10 right but then you played a lot of inside center for australia as well is there a preference there at all um at the moment it's probably leaning more to 12 i was a 10 all my, my whole life really um and then christian actually got injured um before an australia game and then they were looking for a 12 and the coach at the time asked me if i had played 12 and i said yeah of course um i, I hadn't i last time i played 12 <laughs> 11s or something so um so then, my first test at twelve was against the All Blacks, um, kind of based on a on a stretching of the truth. But um, that's kind of me. I'll I'll accept it and then figure out a way to do it later. So uh, yeah. What was the lead up like for your debut? Obviously, you just mentioned All Blacks. I think it was two thousand and thirteen by memory. And yeah. tell me about the lead up into a game like that. Was the nerves racking? Someone take you under their wing? Yeah, I, I hated it actually. Um, it, it was obviously it's the um, pinnacle, yeah. all that stuff. You know, it's it's what you're training for. You know, um, all that. But I, I, I actually hated it. I, I didn't like it. Um, there was so much, um, at the, so much in the sense of you, you're in such a bubble. Um, so then it feels like the world of expectations on you. But really, not many people <laughs> are thinking about it. But um, yeah, that week for me was hard. It was, it was, um, you know, a lot, a lot of media and um, things, a lot of, a lot of text messages from people, a lot of all this kind of external noise. And 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 I remember just thinking after that game, I was like, oh, like, thank God that's gone. I kind of just want to worry about rugby now, um, yeah. um, because 
yeah, there, there was just so much emotion. So, as I said, so much external noise. Um, singing the anthem. You, when you're a kid, you, you build up that moment. Like, what's it going to be like singing your your national anthem? And so, your mind is occupied by so much, so many other things other than your job on the day. Um, 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 so, looking back on that, you probably I probably would have uh, tried to find a way to kind of focus on the process uh, a bit more, but. Um, as I said, it was it was it was almost a little, little bit of relief once that was out of the way, and the, the next week was I was able to just kind of get into your groove a bit more, focus on the specifics of the game, um, and then you can kind of look back on it a bit later. Yeah, hey Matt, I've been talking to a fair few people about concussions, and I know how many concussions would you have had over your career? Yeah, I've had a few. Um, I've actually had to see a specialist um, about it at one point. Uh, we thought earlier. I was getting a concussion. Um, however, there's this thing called um, footballer's migraine, yeah. uh, which myself and Beric Barnes have had, um, which is uh, – I can't really go into detail cause I, mainly because I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've had a handful of concussions over my career over, um, you know, well, 10 years I've been a part of it. Um, I've had to sit out a little bit of time as well. So, um, yeah, it's obviously a very topical uh, point and, and for, for a good reason, I think. How long does it actually, in your own experience, how long does it take to generally recover from one? It varies. It varies. A concussion is a spectrum as well. Um, you, you you could be you could be unconscious. You could just have a delayed effect. You could have all sorts of things. Um, and then it, it basically all, all the protocols at the moment are um, there's there's two elements to it. So there's a cognitive side. Can you remember all these words? Can you spell things backwards? Can you you know all that kind of stuff? It, it, can you essentially get to your baseline pre-concussion? Um, but there's another one which is basically symptoms, um, headaches, fogginess. Um, you know how do you feel after training? And the very I guess the, the way that's set up, there is a lot of self-report in it. Um, yeah which means it can be manipulated in a way. Um, so it is a tough one. There's no, at the moment, you know, if you break your arm, you get a scan that says it's broken, you can't play. Um, if you get a concussion, you, you know, as I said, a lot of a lot of the data, a lot of the protocols are based on self-report. Um, so you can, you know, that there is scope there for you to, um, as I said, manipulate it. So they're, they're doing what they can nowadays with, um with replays and all that to, to, to be able to take the, that out of the player's hands. Um, but I know from experience you, you, it is hard um, because you are young and you, you just want you get it caught up yeah. in the time and you, you want to get out there and beat your chest and be a bit tough and, and keep going. However, it's, um, yeah, you got to keep perspective on, you know, what's what's important. Yeah, over there in England, is it similar? I know in Australia, you know, the NRL and the ARU, they're getting quite tough in terms of protecting players and when they do see something on the field, getting him straight off for those kind of those IQ tests, whatever the hell they call them. Is that similar yeah. sort of standard in England as well now? Yeah, it's probably actually a bit harder. Um, over here, they were, were even doing at the moment. It's only a test at the moment, but there's uh, there's been an eye tracking thing on, on an iPad, um, you know, tra- tracking your eyes and basically seeing the difference pre and post. Um, there's a saliva test, so um, basically through the saliva they can um, assess these certain levels of what you know whatever they're looking for to see um, if there is a change when from guys who have been concussed to haven't and and basically everything they're doing now is is I guess um, 
trying to take it out of the hands of the player in a way. Uh, as I said, it, it can be manipulated. Um, I know, I know. It's like anything. The more you do those, um, they call them scat tests or cognitive tests. You actually get better at them. Yeah. <laughs> so. It, it, it is a tough one. I think um, they are definitely going in the right direction, but we are in the early early stages of it, and I think uh, players, you know, ten years from now, will probably benefit from a lot of things that uh, that the unions are doing at the moment. Yeah, Matt. A couple of personality ones just to wrap up the interview, mate. The first one: Do you have any superstitions before a game? No, I don't. I used to. I used to have a, have a few little weird things you'd do, like socks or shoes or yeah. you know, putting on certain first. Um, but then I realised it was, uh, pro- you know, it was a bit silly. Um, so usually I find, I'm actually almost the opposite. If I think I'm starting to develop a superstition, I'll do the opposite just to kind of prove <laughs> point. Um, but no, I'm pretty lucky. I don't have any at the moment. Yeah, you're pretty harsh on in terms of analysis. If you play a game and you don't think you played well in the game, are you watching tape over and over again? Yeah. Um, the see so if you play on a Saturday and then you come back on a Monday. Um, that that Sunday, that Saturday night and Sunday is is usually horrible for me because I'm I'm just constantly replaying things that you think you've done really bad. And you just repeat the process basically because you, you're hard on yourself than anyone else's. So, um, and then you come back on Monday, and then the coach says, "Oh, you actually you had a good game." And then you're like, I "Just had this last whole day of you know stressing about certain things." But um, as I said, even last week, I, I I couldn't sleep on Saturday night because I was just thinking about certain things you do in the game. And yeah, you you like to when you when you come, you like to think you know what you're doing, and you're just being silly at the time. But uh, yeah, it, you do get caught up in it a little bit. Yeah, Matt, I'm just going to take you back to your childhood. Now, on your bedroom wall growing up, what posters did you have on there, mate? I had um, a few. Obviously, Jonah Lomu was a big one for everyone. Um, All that. um, Johnny Wilkinson was a massive one for me and Dan Carter. Um, Johnny, obviously, because of what he did, but um, I I found my personality type was quite similar to his. in how he how he saw things, he he see it very anxious about things, very kind of serious about it. And reading his kind of his books and that um, kind of resonated a fair bit with me. So yeah, probably those two more than anything else. Actually, you mentioned that you loved your biographies. Any that you're reading kind of right now? Not really at the moment because I'm because uh, this NBA stuff's been uh, taking up a fair bit of time. Um, <laughs> But I have I've found probably like it used to be the sporting ones, but lately I've, I've uh, read a few things like Richard Branson's one or um, yeah, a few other guys like that, um, business leaders that I that I quite enjoy. Yeah, nice one. Okay, last question. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites yeah. now. Matt, only rules: no family or friends, but yeah. it can be anyone, dead or alive. Who would you like to invite? Uh I like, I like this one. Um, so I'll say Gary V because he obviously pops them on quickly. Um, <laughs> Louis Theroux. Uh, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Um, Christopher Hitchens. Nice. Um, I don't know, a dead bloke. I don't think of another dead bloke. Uh well, the way I answered it when I got asked this is like you want to get all dead blokes because I feel that you could get probably the guys that are alive already to come somehow. Yeah, 
Oh, Ricky Gervais was at my invitation, though. Um, you'll, you'll come, mate. You, you'd, you'd think about it. Um, maybe Roger Federer, actually. He's not dead, I know, but I, I've got more chance of Jesus coming to my party as Roger, I think, because he's a bit busy, Roger. So yeah. um, I'll take Roger Federer. Have you been to any of the tennis over there? Not yet. Um, I'm hoping to go next year a bit more. Elisa's playing cricket here last time, so I blame her. But uh, <laughs> I would love to go to Wimbledon or um, at one point. That uh, that would be pretty special. Yeah, hell yeah. Now, Matt, before I let you leave, you're not really active on social media at all, are you? No, not really. I used to, um, and then I didn't like what it kind of does to you or like me in a way. Um, I didn't enjoy the self-promotion kind of bit of it. Uh, as I said before, like even in teams, I like to be a little bit quiet and, and yeah. kind of just do stuff. So um, I definitely creep a little bit on it and, and read articles <laughs> all that, but I'm not a big poster or anything. Yeah, man. Matt, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, man. I really, like, really, really enjoyed all the different insights. And I love someone that's just beyond sport. So thanks so much for coming on, man. No worries. Thanks for having us. Guys, we hope you enjoyed the chat with Matt Samoa. Connect with him, he's on LinkedIn, that's probably his only social media that he's using at the moment, but if you have a look at the Leicester Tigers website, there's plenty of highlights and things like that if you want to keep up to date with what Matt's doing. Hopefully we'll see him back in the Wallabies jersey. I think he'll you know, add a bit of a dimension to their team as well. So hopefully see him back on the shores shortly. Guys, Thursday's show is going to be more of a Socceroos field with a big World Cup qualifier coming on. I'm going to have their midfield... Uh, midfielder from the Hull City and he's also an integral part of the soccer as well, Jackson Irvine and we'll have a couple other players as well so stay tuned for Thursday's show, next week on the show Boxing Field, we've got Andrew and Jason Maloney, two of the really rising guns of Australian boxing at the moment, so it'll be great just to catch up with them and just to hear their story so if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the show like I said, via iTunes, you can also catch it on the website www.talkingwithtk.com Get in touch with me on social media or by email at tristan at talkingwithtk.com Love to hear your opinions on different events or games coming up or even guests that you'll love to see on the show. Alright guys, that's it for today, but please, like I said, tune in for Thursday's show with a couple of Socceroos, including Jackson Irvine. I'll see you soon.